All right. Well, we're going to dive right into it right now. Let me tell you what I'd like to talk with you about. We're going to talk about being ready and we're going to talk about being safe. Ready and safe. Why don't you say that with me on three? One, two, three. There you go. All right. Let's try that again. Some of you weren't ready, ready to go. Okay. One, two, three. Let's say ready and safe on three. One, two, three. Ready and safe. All right. I love it. The, the nine people in this room did really, really good. And we only have nine. We only have nine. Um, all right. So I want to talk about being ready um, before I talk about being safe. Um, I am very, very excited because... In Luke chapter 12, verse 56, it says that oftentimes people can see the weather signs on the earth and in the sky, but they don't always, they're not always able to interpret what signs of the day or what signs of the season that we're living in right now. And so I want to talk about the season that we're living in right now um, with everything that's going on, if all the information that you're getting is coming from Fox News and CNN, you're only getting half of what's going on. You're only getting half of the story. So I want to tell you as your pastor, I want to tell you the other half of the story, uh, the other half of what's going on. See, Jesus is coming back really, really soon. And I can't wait I cannot wait to see him. I can't wait to be in heaven with you. I can't wait to see angels. I can't wait to see the person that we've been worshiping our whole life, many of us. Some of you have just become a Christian recently. And so you've only been worshiping him for a short time. But can you imagine worshiping him while you're looking at him? Can you imagine feeling his love like you have never felt any love before in your life? This is coming very, very soon. This coronavirus and uh, all of these, this, this turmoil that's going on. If you want to do a personal study, read in Matthew chapter 24 and you'll see that everything that's going on right now are all signs and indications that it's almost time to see Jesus face to face. And I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that. And if you're looking for me in heaven, I just want you to know, don't look for me the way I'm looking right now. Okay, I'm not going to be bald in heaven. I've already talked to the Lord about this. I'm going to have long hair like Fabio. I'm going to have muscles. I'm never, I'm not, I'm going to be, just have fun with me. Um, I can't wait to be there. Um, just to show you uh, a timeline of where we're at um, in the grand scheme of things. I want to show you a time, and this isn't everything. This isn't, um, I, I didn't put the, the white throne judgment or um, all that kind of stuff into the timeline. But I just want to show you where we're at. I want you to take a look at this. Um, all the way to the left, you'll see the Old Testament. So I, I started, you know, if you think that that the timeline all the way to the left, just imagine that's Adam and Eve over there. And, um, and then it kind of goes across and then you see the cross itself, the resurrection. And then there's the church age, the age of the church. And then there's the rapture. And the rapture is when everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, 
at a twinkling of an eye, is what the Bible says, we will be brought up into the heavens. And then we will be up there. And obviously this is a pre-tribulation um, timeline. But we will be up there during the, the tribulation. And then we return. The second coming of Christ is after the tribulation and then the millennial reign. But I say all that to say this. You can see this little red guy, this little red stick figure. That's you. Okay? <laughs> that little stick figure is you. Um, the, we are just so close. We are so close. Now, let me say this. As I was preparing my notes, I thought to myself, so many of us grew up in the church. And for 40 years of my life, I have been hearing that Jesus is about to return. Jesus is about to return. And so you can almost subconsciously say, I've been hearing that my whole life. I mean, come on. Let me plead with you. Let me plead with you, do not fall asleep during this season. Now is the best season of the church. The assignment and the calling on your life has never been more important. So fix your mind on the Lord, knowing that our opportunity to complete our assignment is coming to a close we can, we, we have a calling. You have a calling on your life to, to, to share his love. Right now, the best way you can share it is on social media because there's so much negativity out there. So much barking. That's a great opportunity. I was talking with somebody the other day and she said, all I do is I get on Facebook and I just make positive posts after positive posts after positive posts. And I don't know how she was able to figure this out, but she said, I have accumulated over 10,000 likes on my positive posts. And I thought to myself, what a ministry. What an influence this person is. That all they do is they just focus on flooding the internet with positivity. I found that very inspiring. But this opportunity to serve the Lord here on earth is coming to a close and we've got to be ready for that opportunity when we see him face to face. Make sure your heart is right. Make sure you're giving everything you have to your assignment. The enemy tries to come at us two ways. He tries to come at us with discouragement or distraction. Discouragement or distraction. It's like the double D's. He's got two, two six shooters. Discouragement or distraction. I want to encourage you. I know the whole world is trying to figure out this COVID, this COVID-19, I'm sorry, this COVID-19 virus. Don't let discouragement and distraction pull you away from being focused on the assignment that God has in your life. I don't want you to be scared. Oh my goodness, God's coming. Jesus is coming. I don't want you to be scared. Something to be excited about. Plus, there's enough people out there scared. Um, you don't need to be one of them. You need to be one of the calm people. Uh, what's interesting is I saw somebody that was kind of freaking out on social media the other day. And I laughed so hard uh, that I just had to share it with you. Why don't you take a look at this? Let us pray. Father God, I am a child of God. 
what I am not is a homeschool teacher, God. I'm at home, but Lord, ain't no teaching going on around here. Father God, I am your humble servant. What I am not is a math teacher, God. Lord God, the spirit of common core has attacked our household. And right now, the only thing we have in common is frustration and no answer to the math problem, Lord God. I ask that you send down your angels of the carryover, Lord. Teach her that if you carry the one over to the tenth place, you can get the answer, Lord God. Lord God, I am a layman in your vineyard. What I am not is the cafeteria lady, Lord. Yet again, the devil has attacked and sent down a tapeworm onto my child, Lord God. And I need you to help her to understand, Lord, that just because there's a refrigerator don't mean the door got to be open. And just because there's a stove don't mean the eye has to be on. I am not Dennis, IHOP, Shoney's, nor Waffle House, Lord God. Lord God, right now, I need her to understand that his times are tough right now, Lord God. But I see if things continue the way that they are going, Lord God. Not only am I your child, but I'm going to be an inmate because I'm going to jail, Lord God. I, I don't look good in orange. I don't look good in a jumpsuit, Lord God. But Lord, I ask that you, that you change the way things are going right now, Father God, and bless every teacher because they got a special place in heaven. Ain't no way that I could do it, Lord God. Ain't no way. Amen. 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 I love that. I love that. For all of you parents out there that have become a, a school teacher and you're like, oh my goodness, I haven't done math work like this and forever. That lady right there, that precious woman of God, she's feeling you. She's feeling your frustration. So let me talk now about being safe. Um, you are so safe right now, you just may not realize it. And so I'm going to spend the remainder of this message reminding you how safe you are right now. If you're a child of God, you are in a very safe place. If you're not a child of God, if you haven't asked Jesus in your heart and you're watching some Facebook watch party and you're like, who's this bald-headed guy? Maybe I'll listen to him for a few minutes. Listen to me say this. Get your heart right with the Lord. Get your heart right with the Lord. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? Get your heart right with the Lord. Just tell the Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Will you please forgive me? But for every single child of God out there, for every single person that's ever given their heart to the Lord, aside from all the chaos that's going on in the world right now, I want you to know you're in safe hands. Let me unpack for a few minutes the 23rd Psalm. I'm going to break it up into two, par two parts. And both of them, both parts, point back to how safe we are in the presence of God. And his presence is always with you. There's nowhere you can go and not be in his presence. But this is how the, 23rd, the first part of the 23rd Psalm starts. It sounds like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me down the paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Did you hear? Those are only the first three verses, but did you hear all of the responsibilities that the Lord puts on himself? He puts those responsibilities on himself as the shepherd. He doesn't look at us and he doesn't look to carry on the metaphor. He doesn't look at the sheep and say, good luck, go find some green grass. Good luck, go find some still streams. Good luck, I hope you find some water. No, that's not how he is. He says this, I will bring you to the green pastures. I will bring you to the still waters. I will restore your soul. I love that the Lord looks at you and he looks at me and he says, look, the needs that you have, you are not capable of figuring it all out, but I am. I will lead you in that direction. Now, here's the thing about shepherds and sheep is they're always moving. They're always grazing. If you've ever seen a shepherd walk on the side of a mountain or in a field, they're constantly moving the sheep along. They don't just kind of sit down very often. They're always moving. They're always grazing. They're always moving. We live in Texas, and so a lot of you are deer hunters. And for those of you that aren't deer hunters, you just like to watch deer. If you ever watch deer, they, they move across a field. They, they go across the field. They eat. They walk across. They eat. They keep on walking. They eat. They keep on walking. They don't just stay in one spot and spin in a circle and eat. They move along. That's how sheep are. And that's what shepherds do with sheep is they keep a moving. See, whenever uh, a, a sheep comes upon green pastures, that sheep is not meant to stay right there. When you come upon green pastures, when the Lord brings you to a place in your life where things are going good, he takes you from one season to the next and then from another season to the nether season. Look up back on your life. How many cities have you lived in? How many states have you lived in? How many jobs have you had? How many schools were you a part of growing up? See, shepherds move sheep along. The Lord has been moving you along your entire life. He takes you from green pasture to green pasture, to green pasture, to green pasture. When you arrive at a green pasture, that green pastor is not supposed to give you everything you need in your life. No, that green pastor is supposed to give you what you need for that day. I recently heard this, that worry is thinking about tomorrow's problems while you're in today's pasture. See, when we start thinking about tomorrow's problems, that's when we start feeling stress. I just want you to know that right now you are looking at a device that costs hundreds and hundreds of dollars. The device that you're looking at cost, may have cost thousands of dollars if you're watching on a computer. You're probably watching in your home right now enjoying your air conditioning. You probably are drinking a cup of coffee. You, when you woke up this morning, you had options of what you wanted to wear. Everything is okay. 
The Lord is taking care of you. The only time you're going to worry is if you start thinking about tomorrow. If you start thinking about next week. Because right now, at this moment, right now, you're doing good. And tomorrow, at that moment, right then, you'll be okay. The Lord is taking care of you. It's his role as a shepherd to take care of his sheep. What's interesting is I have a a six-year-old little girl. Her name is Kate. She is a firecracker. She's a firecracker. Um, she's very independent. Um, she'll run and she thinks she's the ruler of our house. But whenever I go to, let's say, Target or Kroger and I park the truck and I'm getting out, because we're in this huge parking lot, there's cars zipping around and she has no clue that cars are coming. In Texas, every third vehicle is a truck. She has no idea that if she doesn't pay attention, she's going to get ran over like a Coke can by one of these trucks. So this little six-year-old girl is like this, me, 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 me. She's just everywhere. So every time I get out of the truck, the very first thing I do is I look at her and I say, Kate, hold my hand. So we hold hands. Now, the cars have not stopped whipping around. The trucks are still driving around. But she isn't worried about the trucks or the cars. Her only job is to stay close to me, and she knows I'll take care of everything else. Now, let me ask you a question. Whose responsibility is it to keep on hanging on to our hands? Is it the little girl's responsibility to squeeze daddy's hand so that daddy doesn't let go? Or is it the father's responsibility to keep squeezing the little child's hands? You answer the question. Whose responsibility is it? It's the father's. The father takes full responsibility of saying, I'm not going to let you get hurt. You stay right here. So I want to remind you, He's got you in the palm of his hand. In fact, not only does he have you in the palm of his hand, but in his palm, he has your name written down. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 16, it says that your name is written on the palm of his hand. Let me go to the next part of Psalms chapter 23, where he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now this is a very interesting transition within this chapter. Because at the first part of the chapter, it was all green grass. Thank you, Lord, for the green grass. Thank you, God, for taking me from green grass to still waters. Oh, you're so good. Now, all of a sudden, he looks up and he says, hey, what just happened? I'm walking through the shadow of death right now. I'm in the presence of enemies right now. All of a sudden, the shepherd allows certain seasons to come that we really didn't want to have. You know, tough seasons will remind us that God is all we really need. You will never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. When you walk through those shadow seasons, you're going to back up and realize 
Everything that I used to depend on is shaken. Everything that I used to depend on and rely on is not even there anymore. And then you back up and say, what do I have? And then you realize that what you have is the person that has never left you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. You know, in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1, it says this, Before you were born, he called you. While you were in your mother's womb, he spoke your name. He is so into you. He loves you so much. And you will never know how amazing his love is when his love is the only thing that you have to lean on. You know, our generation, everyone, let me just pick uh, from, let's say, 1956 on out. Um, We know very little about the generation before us, what they had to go through. My father was born in 1956, and so some of the events that I'm about to mention right now, he was just a child when the heat of it was going on. But from about 1930 all the way up to about the early, late 1960s, that generation experienced a pressure that our generation knows nothing about. First, they had to go through the Great Depression. We have no idea what a Great Depression is. We have no idea what they had to go through. We've been through tough seasons, but the Great Depression, we haven't been through anything like that. Shortly thereafter and almost overlapping was World War II where all the men in the country from 18 years and older, if they were physically able, had to go to war. Can you imagine, during the Great Depression, the men of the household have to go to war. And then, shortly thereafter, and there was a lot of overlays, the civil rights movement was going on, where if your skin tone was a different color than another person, you had to stay away from them. And the authorities, the, the local officials and the local government was enforcing that. Can you imagine what our grandparents had to go through? I just want you to know that they could tell us stories that would just blow our mind. And so now it's the year 2020. And we are facing something that our generation has never experienced. And you know what? The whole world has never experienced this before. This is covering the entire globe. From a global perspective, our country has had it pretty easy. We've had tough moments like 9-11. That was a gut shot. When I think about 9-11, it still breaks my heart. But a global pandemic like this, wow. We are facing something for the first time in the history of mankind. And our generation is now having to dig their heels in, just like the generation before us had to do. During this time, these are the times where we back up and we go, 
I think this is the valley of the shadow of death. I, I think, I think this is the moment where I need you to anoint my head and cause my cup to runneth over because my cup is empty right now. These are the moments that the generations before us had to go through. Now it's our turn. Now it's our turn. But you know what? This season is going to pass pretty soon. And we'll always remember who passed hope on. We will, we will remember. We will remember who were the positive people. We will remember who were on the Facebook and on Instagram and all those other grams and Facebook and whatever and all that kind of stuff. We're going to remember who were the ones that lifted everybody up and said it's going to be okay. You know, during the good times of your life, you can almost forget who was there for you. But during the tough times, you don't ever forget those times. I've been to a lot of weddings as a pastor. I've, I've been to a lot of I've, I've officiated weddings. I've also officiated funerals. You know, the people that when they're getting married, they forget who is at their wedding. But I'll tell you this, whenever I've officiated funerals, the family that has lost a loved one, they don't ever forget who was in the room during a funeral. See, we will never forget the people that step up with hope during this season. I said it last week. People with hope will always have influence. They'll always have influence. You know what's so funny is sometimes we get pushed into a situation even though we didn't volunteer for it. I heard about this guy one time. He got invited to this party. And the party was this massive party in this guy's backyard. And the owner of the house or in, in the backyard, the owner, he was a multimillionaire. He was very, very wealthy. And so he had a band and he had cocktails everywhere. He was just so incredibly wealthy. And so he invited everybody and then all of a sudden he got on a microphone. And he said, let me get everybody's attention for a minute. He said, if anyone will jump into my swimming pool right now, and swim from one side to the other. Whoever does that, I'll give you a million dollars. And he goes, but before anyone jumps in, I just want you to know, there are five hungry crocodiles inside my pool. All of a sudden, he heard this splash. And he looked down, and this guy was swimming as fast as he could. People were cheering for him. He, the, the, the host of the party couldn't believe his eyes. The guy was just swimming as fast as he could. And he looks down, and the guy gets to the other side. He's huffing. He's panting. He's got his hands on his knees. <sighs> and so the owner of the house, the host of the party, walked over to him and he said, Man. Where did you find the courage to jump into that swimming pool? And he said back to the host of the party, he goes, Well, I don't know much about courage, but what I do know is I want to find the person who pushed me into that pool because I need to have a talk with them right now. See, sometimes you got to get pushed in. Sometimes life will just push you in. And then you come out on the other side and you're like, I did not ask for that. I didn't want that. Sometimes while you're swimming, you're looking around, you're like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this. But what's interesting is when you come out, 
you know the Lord in a way that you never knew him before because you've realized that God is, when God is all you have, that's when you find out that God is all you need. One of my uh, favorite script, uh, stories, it's one of your favorite stories as well. It's in Matthew chapter 14, particularly in verse 22, but it's in Matthew 14. And it's a story where Jesus is teaching everybody. And, and all of a sudden he looks at his disciples and he tells them, and the Bible says this in verse 22, I think it's verse 22, but he says, go into the boat and go to the other side. And in the New Living Translation, it says that he made them get in the boat without him. I want you to go on without me. The disciples said, okay, and they jumped in the boat and they go out and they're going to cross that sea, uh, the, Gal- the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And in the middle of the night, all of a sudden a storm came and the storm was blowing, the, ro- the boat was rocking. No doubt the disciples thought they were going to lose their life that night. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking on the water. Now, I don't know how he, what what his persona is. Personally, I think, personally, I feel like Jesus came kind of strutting on the water a little bit, you know. But anyway, so he came walking on the water and the disciples looked onto the water and they were afraid. Because they're in this boat, they're in this situation, and now they're seeing a person that looks like a ghost. And Jesus looks at them. He sees the boat is in trouble. He sees that they're in trouble. And the first thing he says to them is, don't be afraid. I would tell you right now, the Lord sees your boat. He sees your family. He sees your household. He sees the storm that's rolling around it. He sees all your worries. He sees all your concerns. And he would say to you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What's interesting is one of those disciples sees Jesus. And he says, if that's you, if that's you, Jesus, let me get out of this boat and walk over to you. And Jesus said, come on. And many of you know the story. He gets out of the boat and he starts walking. And I was thinking about this just a few hours ago. I was thinking about Peter is standing in this middle of this storm. And there's something in him that says, I can't do anything about this storm. I didn't ask for the storm. I didn't want to be in the storm. I don't like the storm. But if I'm going to be in the storm, I want to see a miracle. I want to see a miracle. I want to be a part of a miracle. I want to see a miracle in the middle of all this. The other disciples were just hanging on. They're just hanging on, waiting for it to be over. You call it the white knuckle anointing. Their their knuckles were turning white. They're just waiting for it to be over, hoping for a break. Peter's saying, I want to see a miracle. I know many of you in this that are listening to this stream right now, you want to see a miracle. You've got that, that Peter DNA on the inside of your veins. You want to see God do something that seems impossible. We'll never see anyone walk on water until a storm comes along. I want to let you know there's a storm, but there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get out of the boat. 
They're going to feel around and they're going to say, I believe that God's going to do something big. You guys can whine. You guys can complain. You guys can bicker. You guys can moan. You guys can sleep all day in the boat if you want to and moan and complain about the wind. But as for me, I've got my eyes locked on him and I want to see a miracle and I'm going to pursue him. And the Bible says that he walked on water. He experienced that miracle. And it wasn't until he started looking at the wind. Let's take a a lesson out of that book. We will always feel full of hope when our eyes are locked on him. But when we start looking at the wind and we start paying too much attention to the news, all of a sudden we're getting our information from a media outlet instead of the God that runs the universe. I love you all very much. I love you so much. I miss you. I miss having church with you. But what I know is that God has you strategically placed for such a time as this. I'm going to give you the last, I'm going to give you three takeaways and they're the exact same takeaways that I gave you last week. Pray a little bit more, worship a little bit more, and encourage people a little bit more. When you do that, you'll feel the presence of God come within you and push you along and to take you to places that you've never been before. Let me pray a blessing over your life. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May his face be turned to you and give you peace. I love you all very much. I'll talk to you next week.